Thanks for listening to The Awakening Podcast. We hope this message inspires and encourages you today. I want to talk to you today. We've been talking about relationships and togetherness, and today I want to talk to you about family, what it takes to raise a family. Um, It's the most important thing you'll ever do. It's more important than any other thing you have going on in life to raise a family. And so uh, the, the Lord tells us about it. In fact, a lot of the scriptures that we see um, throughout the Old New Testament, it's all about relationship, how we relate to one another. You know, the golden rule, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. You know, the second great commandment is to love your neighbors, yourself, and so forth, and uh, speak no evil, and, and be kind even to your enemies, and so forth. I mean, the Bible goes over and over and over again how we are to relate to one another. And um, in, in 1 Corinthians, Paul does this chapter on love, and in, in, the 13th chapter, which, um, you know, we, all, we always look to it. It's such, such a powerful uh, series of verses. And a lot of times we, we relate it to such deep love and marriage and things like that. But really, it's about one another. And, and in fact, even to people that you don't even know. And it says this in 1 Corinthians, the 13th chapter, verse 2. It says, if I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries. And Paul's talking on a spiritual level. But you, he's basically saying, if you are at the pinnacle of all your spiritual life that you think you're at, or even financial life, or, you know, status in life and so forth. But if you're at the very pinnacle, you have all knowledge. And if I have faith that can move mountains, that's pretty powerful faith. But I have not love, I am nothing. And I I, I want to relate this to what it is to raise a family. Because you can be everything else in life, but if you have not raised a family, a good family, if you've lost your family, maybe I could put it that way, you are nothing. Because everything else doesn't matter in comparison to the fact that God has made you a man or a woman in a relationship that is now perpetuating that relationship, raising a family. This isn't necessarily about children, because I think you can have family without children, obviously. But a lot of it has to do with the work that it would take in a, in a home to raise a family. And a lot of times, obviously, the kids are a lot of work, so uh, they're, they're included in this. And parenting seems to be maybe kind of an, uh, an almost a lost art in this generation of all about me. It's all about me. And so I want to speak to you today. Some of you are young people that are going to be in the process of, of, of raising a family. Some of you are a little bit down the road and, and um, you know, maybe would change some things if you could go back. But I want to start from today and say, no, you're still raising a family. You know, you, 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 might be, you might be my age, but you're still in it. You're still speaking. You're still influencing. You still have value. Amen? You know, I was uh, with my dad this week and uh, at his bedside because he's, he's kind of going through some really tough times right now. And so, um, but I'm still his son and he's still my dad. And so the oxygen tube was, was tweaking his nose. It was all pulled over and everything. I'm thinking, that can't be, that can't be, that can't be right. So I'm, I'm moving the oxygen tube over in, in his nose. I'm telling him, Dad, I'm just going to move this oxygen tube. All of a sudden, he just goes, <laughs> still my dad, you know. It's like, I almost got whacked in the hospital. <laughs> I don't care what stage you're at. Today is a new day. The future's still coming. Amen? You still are in the process of raising a family? Can you say amen? Amen. Now, whatever it is we have done, and some of us, you know, 
could maybe look back and say, well, there's a good amount of carnage back there. You have to, you have to say, but today I start afresh. Can you say amen? And I'm even speaking to you if you've been, the, you've been the recipient of carnage. Some things that have been spoken over you that you know hurt you. But listen, let's get that healed and it, let it stop with you. You know, hurt people hurt people. Well, wait, not in Christ. Hurt people get healed so that we don't hurt on. Amen? And you know, relationships pulls out the best nature. It pulls out the God nature of us, you know, love and forgiveness and understanding and, and, and so forth, because people are imperfect. You know, in, in, in marriage, the husband and the wife, they, they, have to, they have to understand there's going to be a lot of forgiveness. Honestly, you don't really know what forgiveness is until you get married. Then you really know what forgiveness is. All the married people say, you're not kidding. You know, uh, and, and, and when you're raising a family, all of this is going to, you know, you're going to really need the fruit of the Spirit. You're going to really need the character of God. You're going to need the Lord in there with you. But you're also going to need some practical things. It's going to be work. You know, it's going to be effort. It's going to be thought and planning. And, and we can't just mail this in. Your best self is working on the family. Not at your job. You realize that I believe that all of the skills and the talents and everything that God has given you, whatever it is you think you are, and awesome, you know, you're a planner, you're a thinker, you're a strategist, you're, you're creative. Whatever it is, gift God has given you, I believe first it's for the family. It's first for the family. You know, then you can get a job and you can hopefully, you know, enjoy that job because you're, you're functioning and you're gifting and so forth. But all of your gifts are first to the family. Secondly, I think it's to the Lord or, or the house of the Lord, but, but then God blesses you with your job as well. And so, you know, you're functioning on all these different levels. But a lot of times we give all of our skill and our talent and everything that we've got to our job, and we, we don't really consider so much that it's really for the, for the house. It's for the home. So Moses is dealing with uh, relationships in the book of Deuteronomy. The Lord is, is, is giving through Moses the law, how to, how to live with one another. How to prosper, how to, how to bless, and, 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 and how to raise a family. And so in Deuteronomy, I want to put up verse uh, 1 in chapter 6. Moses is going over the law again with the Israelites as they're about ready to go into the promised land. This is the second time he's going over the law. Deuteronomy means a second giving of the law. And so this is the second time Moses is speaking it to them so that they really get it. And he says this in verse 1. These are the commands and the decrees and laws that the Lord your God directed me to teach you to observe. Can I just stop there and say this? I don't need to necessarily understand everything about the Bible. I just need to observe it. I just need to obey it. Amen? Because Can I tell you something? As culture moves on, we move away from the ancient, the old, the fuddy-dud, that old, that dusty old religion. No. The Bible is eternal. The word of God is eternal. The truths are eternal. You just might not understand them all. Amen? I need to know the word of God and follow it. Listen, I, I don't know what you believe. I believe the Bible. I want to believe the Bible. I just want to believe this. And so you can, you can get mad at me. You can call me a hater and, and this, that, and the other. You know what, though? I'm not. I'm not. But I, I do believe the Bible. I believe the Bible. So you, you, you can believe what you want to believe. But I'll tell you what. The Lord is saying this. The commands and the decrees that I give you are for you to learn and observe. Amen? Amen? 
that, that you're crossing the Jordan to possess. You're going to go out into the world, but you need to know this. And then in verse 2, he says this, so that you and your children and their children, I love that Lord is a multi-generational God. He's talking about your kids and your kids' kids and your kids' 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 kids. And, and you as a great-grandpa, great-great-great-grandpa, have all this you know, deposit of, of everything that you've put into your children that has now gone into their children. It is an awesome thing. And God is for family. The devil is not. He hates your family. He doesn't want to see your kids have kids. And he doesn't want to see you bless your kids or even teach them about the, the word of the Lord or the things of God. He wants you to have a, a, a family that is completely destroyed and it never goes on. He's, he's working against you. And, it, and so it's for your children and their children after them that they may fear the Lord your God as long as they live by keeping his decrees and his commands that I give you and so that you may in, enjoy long life. Moses is saying this, you're going to possess the land and enjoy long life. If you study you know, the book of Deuteronomy a little bit more, God is talking about what long life and enjoying and possessing looks like. And he says, you're going to build fine homes. You're going to possess the land. You're going to have lands and herds and cattle and goat and sheep. You're going to prosper in gold and in silver. You're going, you're going to possess the land and you're going to enjoy life. I'll tell you, life is not a bunch of um, terrible mistakes where we barely can make ends meet. The way God sees life is he's saying, no, if you're going to enjoy, if you're going to obey my decrees and follow me, I will bless you. I will partner with you. I will walk with you. Hey, listen, God thinks he's king. God thinks he's king. Every time you, you read about what God's saying in the Bible, it just seems like he really thinks he's king. And he's saying, listen, if you walk with me, you're going to be blessed. You and your children and your children's children are going to prosper and enjoy good long life. Can you say amen? amen. So God is for us. It goes on in verse 6 and it says, these commands that I give you today ought to be upon your hearts. In other words, it's not just going through the motions. Mom and dad, you need to really know the word of the Lord. Let God speak to you. Let him teach you. Put, get, it, get it in your heart. And then impress them on your children. God is saying, listen, I need you to impress my ways, my word, on your kids. Your kids need to really get it. It's not just that we gather ourselves together on Sunday and go to church. No, we live like this. It's in our hearts. It's in our hearts. Impress them on your children by talking about them when you sit at home. This is to you, church. God is telling you how to do it. Understand the word of the Lord. Get it in your heart. Talk about the things of God. You don't have to know everything, but talk about it at home. Talk about when you sit down, when you walk along the road. Imagine God actually thinks you walk along the road with your kids. I tell you, God has a different idea of what it means to walk with your children, to have time for them, to be a blessing to them. Amen? You know, it can get quiet in here, and I don't want to see any elbowing. I don't want to see any looking or rolling of the eyes and so forth. It can get quiet in here. But I, I believe that we can, we can hear this and say, you know what, I'm going, to, I'm going to do better in that area. Can you say amen? Every one of us. Me too. <laughs> When you lie down and when you get up, you know, I was, I was tell, telling the first service, you know, um, if you, if you want to get your kids to go to bed at, and you, you're thinking that the bedtime for them is nine o'clock, 
you, you, you tell them it's 8.30. Tell them it's 8.30. This way here, when they get up and go to bed at 8.30, you can go up there, lay down in the bed next to them, and they think they're getting away with something. Actually, you want them in bed for nine. So you have this half hour here where they think they're getting away with it a little bit, and you can spend time and lie down with them and talk to them and share with them and so forth. And sometimes it's not until the house gets quiet that actually some good stuff starts to happen. Amen? This is precious time. You have to make precious time with your kids. And I'll tell you, so that's what we always did. Nancy and I, we always would tell the kids, okay, it's bedtime, get up there, it's 8.30, it's bedtime. But we knew we want them kind of lights out at nine. So we would go up there, she would lie with Jordan or, or Chrissy, and, and we would switch back and forth and so forth, but we would spend that time just lying down with them and listen to them. Precious time. And so, and when you get up in the morning, tie them as symbols on your hands. How many know you tie it on your hands just like this wedding ring? Nancy makes sure before I go out of the house that I'm marked. You know? If anybody tries to talk to you in the grocery store, just show them. And bind them on your foreheads. I really need these laws to be in your mind. Write them on the door frames of your house and on your gates. You know, God wants them to be through and through. As for me and my house, we love the word of God and we're walking in it. We're talking about it. We're living it. Amen. You can never raise a good family apart from Christ, apart from God. You can't do it on your own. I don't care how wealthy you think you are, the fact that you have a Volvo or a Subaru and, 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 and you go to Maine in the summer, I don't care how much you try to pull this thing together, you can't do it without God. You cannot do it without God. There is no mysterious utopia that you're going to be able to bring your children into. You need to spend time with them and, and embrace them and bring them into the things of God so that when they grow up, it's just, they just know God the way you know him too. Amen? So God wants us to genuinely have him in the center of our homes. You know, you know, uh, Teaching children about the Word of God is like sharpening an axe. It's not one pass of the stone. It's over and over and over again. You just keep the Word of God raining down in your house and on your lips and in your mouth. And not, like, not like some kind of professor or some kind of priest, but as a normal person having normal relationships with the Lord who is real. Can you say amen? You're going to have to pastor your home. You're going to have to pastor your home. But the most important thing you'll ever do is raise a family. That's the most important thing you'll ever do is raise a family. Now, raising a family doesn't happen naturally. This is something you're going to have to work on. See, avalanches happen naturally. Tornadoes happen naturally. Shark attacks happen naturally. Raising a family is going to take some consideration and some wise input. All right, so, so when, people, when you think raising a family is just natural, you're going to raise wolves. You're going to raise wolves. I'll tell you, yeah, it can happen naturally, and it's not good. Then you, then you try to tell me how unruly your kids are. It's not that they're unruly. You just had no rules. You just didn't know how to discipline, and so it, it ends up where your kids are completely undisciplined. You know, uh, pe people say to us, um, is, is your house kid-proof? Well, I don't know. Why don't you housebreak your kids, you know? You, you have pets that are more well-behaved in the house than your kids are. <laughs> And all the people that don't want the neighbor's kids over their house said amen. <laughs> Secondly, let me just tell you this. Your kids are not gods. They're not little gods. We don't worship them. 
They're so cute. I know you can't help it. Every parent thinks their kid's the smartest. No, I'm telling you, he's, he's like off the charts. He's, a, he's like the charts here, he's up here. He's uh, unbelievable. Your kid is not special. They're not special. They're your little adults in little form that you're trying to work with. And this goes two ways. It helps me and it helps them. But you're working with them because they're really on loan from God. And if you turn them into little gods and begin to worship them, because they figure it out. All I have to do is whine and whine and whine and whine, and then we get to go where I want to go. They turn into a little tyrant that uses all the wrong strings to pull mommy and daddy. you got to make sure they know they're not in charge. You don't need a three-year-old tyrant running the house, because let me tell you something, you'll live in hell. <laughs> they will not be little good tyrants. They'll be terrible. You know, the sociologists say what happens with, when situations like this perpetuate, what happens is the parents start to not like their kids. This genuinely happens, like they can't stand their kids. Like, all right, get out of here, go play, go away, go somewhere. Can we stay over so-and-so's house? I don't care. Can we stay over Charles Manson's house tonight? Yeah, go ahead. Get out of here. And then what happens is the kids grow up and nobody likes them. They can't get a good job, they can't, they can't get along with other people. It comes back to you as a parent the, the kids are not special unruly. You don't know him. I tell you, you can spank him. You can, you can threaten him. You can give him time out. He will not. No, that's not true. You're just not giving it the kind of time and effort. Can I tell you something? You're smarter than your kids. People, don't look at me like I got two heads. You're smarter than your kids. I know your kids are smart, but you're smarter. They came from you. I mean, where would they get all this genius, huh? Out of the thin air? It came from you. You just have got to put the energy and the time and the thought because let me tell you something, they're experts at it. They're working at this thing full time, how to get around mommy and daddy. You just got to be smarter than them. And if you don't, you're going to end up with unruly kids. And that's when you start to come up with these excuses about how they're special. I'll tell you, he's like, he's the most stubborn person I've ever met. No, you're the worst disciplinarian that I've ever met. I want to give you three practical things that you need to do in order to raise a family. Now, uh, the, the Lord is telling us about all this stuff in, in Scripture, but I'm just going to kind of, uh, uh, you know, just bring it down to some very practical steps here. Is it okay if we be practical in church? Three practical steps. The first thing you're going to have to do, number one, is you're going to have to work. You're going to have to work on your family. You're going to have to work at your family. And what happens with people is we work so hard at our jobs when we come home, we're too tired to work on our family. We don't have the energy, we don't have the emotional energy, we don't have the happiness, we don't have a good countenance. We come home, we're too tired, and we can't work on it. But I'll tell you something, family takes a lot of work. If your job has taken so much out of you that you don't have anything left for your family, you need to get a different job. Because the most important thing you'll ever do in life is raise a family. It's not get, get, get to the top of your company or get to the top of Wall Street or get to the top of some pinnacle. It's not, it's, that's not it. Because if you lose your family, it amounts to nothing. It amounts to nothing. But you're going to have to work. You're going to have to work. What does work look like? Well, if you tell your toddler, listen, Johnny, if you keep doing that in the store, we're going to go home. You keep doing that, we're going to go home. And he keeps doing it. Guess what? You got to go home. That's the work. I know you got to go here and you got to go to the cleaners and you got to go here and you got to pick up this and you got to do. But guess what? You should have never said we're going to go home then. 
And I'm not saying don't say that. I actually think, well, what else are you going to do? You can't thrash the kid in the middle of the store. I tell you what, I do not believe in any kind of physical abuse, even physical overpowering, but I do believe in discipline. Yeah. And, and, and I do think that you don't have to do it a lot forever. You do have to do it up front. Your kids have to figure out you mean what you say. And when you say we're going home, we're going home. And it's not going to be a picnic because we're going home. This is punishment. It's not going to be good. You know, you're, you're, you're not going to get rewarded. But you're at somebody's birthday party and you're, and you're a little... Angel is hitting somebody because he's so stubborn. He's just so, he's especially stubborn. He's like the charts here. He's up here stubborn. And so he keeps hitting little Sally. And you say, if you, if you do one more thing, you're going home. And of course, he's going to do one more thing. You got to go home. That's the work. The problem is you won't do it because I know you got to go here and you got to do this. and You got to do that. And you just got here. And you just, I know, but this is the work. And I'm saying, if you do the work up front, you won't have to do it the whole rest of your life. Not many amens on that, but I don't care. I'm telling you, it's true. <laughs> true. You got to do the work. Don't say I'm a taxi for my kids, you know, in, 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 with, with an attitude. You are a taxi for your kids, but don't say it with an attitude, you know. Your kids will know if they bother you every time they, you have to take them somewhere. So where do you have to go? And when you and you're going to be, oh, you know, I have to do this and I have to do that and I have to do the other. You're a bother to me. I'm not saying that, but they get that. Thank God you're a taxi to your kids. Thank God you're a taxi to them. Because it's the one opportunity that you have them in the car and they, you have what they need. I have the car. I'm kind of in charge. It's a perfect opportunity for us to talk, talk to chat, to, to work some things out and so forth. I remember one time my wife and I were trying to buy a piece of property close to the church, and um, uh, the deal fell through. And I was praying, and I was saying, God, why would that deal fall through? It was a perfect piece of property. We would have loved it. We would have been closer to the church. And the Lord said, because you need the 20 minutes every day to and from school that you have to take your kids. You need to spend that time talking with them. And, and so... Hey, if you're a taxi to your kids, thank God. You're the, you're the most awesome taxi. I, I'm, you enjoy your kids. Celebrate them when they come through the door. Amen? Celebrate them when they come through the door, even though they're not gods. You are friends. Amen? You do love them. They are awesome. They need to go somewhere. I'm your guy. I have the keys. I have the car. We get to talk about what I want to talk about. Amen? One more work. Vacations are work. Vacations are work. But they are the most precious memories your kids will ever have in all of life is the times you guys go on vacation. And they don't have to be special vacation to some, you know, Caribbean island or something like that. It can just be camping. And all the women said, or maybe, maybe 15 women said amen on that. I, my wife would never go camping. She, I mean, she, she, would, she would refuse. And I used to tell her, honey, it's not about you. It's for the kids. Okay, well, I'm not doing it. Let's camp outside, <laughs> camp outside the Marriott, and I'll be up in the room. <laughs> you guys can be out on the lawn. But can I tell you, vacation is work for the kids. You're going to have to do it. Vacation for the adults, you guys can go away and have a good time and rest and whatever it is. But when you're with the kids, it's going to be work. But that's okay because you have these special times where you say, listen, 
We're going to get together and do something you guys want to do. Your kids ever say, when do we ever get to do what I want to do? You ever hear that? When do we ever get to do what I want to do? That's not a bad question. That's a really good question. I remember one time we were going to go to Six Flags, which is the place I hate. <laughs> we're going to go to Six Flags. It's going to cost about $8,000. Know. You know, like a $5 Coke, you know, that's all watered down. But anyway, enough of that cheap Steve part. Let's, let's move on. So anyway, I tell my wife, we're driving there, and I, say, I tell my wife, listen, we're going to go there, we're going to ride on a few rides, have a little something, and then we're out of there. And she's, you know, like, oh, okay, well, whatever, that's the plan. I, and I'm letting her know up front, so don't fight with me in front of the kids, because we're going home. I'll tell you, when we got to Six Flags, and their eyes lit up, and they wanted to run to this ride, and run to that ride, and then go to this ride next, and go to that ride. When I tell you, at 10.30 at night, we were the last people leaving that Leave it that way. We saw every single thing they had there, and I was loving it, I'll tell you, but we still talk about that time we went to Six Flags and had that great time. I'll tell you, vacations are work. Put in the work. Put in the work. Your most important thing in all of life is raising a family. Put in the work. Number two, you have to think. You have to be thoughtful when it comes to what it is you're doing in this household. Now, I want to be careful to not... To not um, you know, eliminate every one of us out of this equation because every one of us have done dumb things. So, but, but, but we have to try to say, you know something, I need to be a thinker when it comes to raising a family. Don't do dumb things like punish your kids with, with church stuff, you know, or, or, or say, you know, if you do that one more time, you're going to go upstairs and you're going to read the Bible. You know? You do that one more time, you're going to read the Bible, you know? You're going to read Leviticus, you know? You don't want to torture your kids with the Word of God. It's supposed to be awesome. You've got to be smarter than this. You've got to think. You have to think. You know, so, so, so thoughtfulness is, is a part of this whole thing. Don't ever compare your kids with somebody else. You're just like somebody, or you're not like somebody. Why can't you get A's like your brother? Why can't you get A's like your neighbor? Why can't you do this? Why can't you do that? Never compare your kids with anybody else. They are who they are, and you're going to hopefully lift them as you go. You know, lift them as you go. You never compare them. You're just like your father. And then, and then sometimes we slip into curses where we say some things that are terrible, like, I wish you were never born. Now, you may not have ever said that. Maybe you had it said to you. I wish you were never born. We have to think and not speak curses over our children. Because the most important thing we'll ever do in life is raise a family. And the last thing you want to do is curse the very ones that God's given you to bless and to speak good things over. Even with you, God calls those things that are not as though they were. Isn't that true? Isn't that true? You need to tell your child, you are the kindest person I've ever met. You know what? You are the nicest person I've ever met. You're the most thoughtful person I've ever met. You have to speak over them the things that will elevate them a little bit or at least let them know this is who I see in you. And, you know, kind of a side tip. It's not even probably worth mentioning, but 
Don't always talk to your little girls about how pretty they are and how pretty they are now that they put that on, how pretty they are. Go back and change that. What are you wearing that with that? You Come on. You, because what happens is you make them so focused on prettiness that they can't get out, out from underneath the mirror, you know, when they're 16 years old, that everything is about how somebody else is, you know, they're appearing to somebody else. It's not, it's not healthy. It's not healthy. Amen? Tell them they're the kindest person you've ever met. Anyway, you, you have to un, kind of unpack that one yourself, but I think it's a good one. They might be pretty. They're pretty, not the dress. They're kind. They're, they're, they're gentle. Amen? You have to speak those things, say things that, that will bless them. I remember one time uh, we had a little boy in the, in the uh, daycare, and he was out. He was kicked out of the classroom, so he was out in the front. And uh, they were telling me, you know, he's bad. He's really bad. We had to kick him out here. We're going to call his parents to come get him and so forth. So I went out there. I went out there. The boy's about this high. And I said to him, I said, um, hey, what's going on? Why are you out here? I said, I heard you were the best boy in the world. I heard that you were a very, very, and as I'm starting to say it, he's going like this. I said, you're a very, very good boy. And he, he's like this, and he says, my, my father says I'm like Satan. I mean, I'm, I'm barely, barely old enough to talk. He tells me that. You know, now the math kind of works. I can see why. It, it's not that he is like Satan, so his father says it. It's that his father says it, and he starts to get what he's saying, you know? So I, I said to the little boy, I said, has your father ever been pounded out by a pastor? <laughs> I want you to tell your daddy that come see the pastor because he wants to punt, speak to him. He wants to speak to him. <laughs> the third thing you got to do, this is very, very important. You have to learn how to listen. We have to become listeners because most parents are good at telling, at talking, at commanding, at correcting, at, at instructing, but we're not good when it comes to listening. Like I said, if somebody in the back seat says, when are we ever going to do what I want to do? Do you listen to that and, and question it? Or is it just that the littlest ones have the littlest voice or the littlest impact? Every single person in the family is, has as much value as anybody else. That's why I'm telling you, vacation should be about the kids. Now, I know it's not something maybe you want to do, but it's, it's for them. And then you and, you know, you and the, uh, the, the spouse can go somewhere and have a vacation yourself. I have two vacations a year, one with your kids and one with yourselves, you know. But, but the same thing on the weekends. It's not always about what you guys want to do on the weekends. It has to be sometimes about what the kids want to do. Amen? So, but you have to listen. You know, children will talk to you in waves. Because they don't, they don't have the cognitive ability to, to peel through the layers of what it is they're thinking and feeling. And so they begin to speak to you. And as they begin to speak to you, if you will listen, what will happen is there'll be a pause because that's the first layer. They don't really know from there where, to, where else to go. And if, if you jump in, you know, when they say, you know, Johnny was saying this and this and this at school today, and you jump in and you instantly have a, a response, Johnny, he, what does Johnny know? Johnny's not this and Johnny's not that. Don't tell you, listen to Johnny. Johnny, 
that's going to be the end of the conversation. But if you just wait, they might start to speak again. All of a sudden, they're going to another layer, and it's going a little bit deeper, and they're starting to tell you about what they feel and their emotions and so forth. Parents need to be good listeners. And so if, if nothing else is coming out of the conversation, I might ask then, well, I wonder why Johnny said that. Then all of a sudden, they, it helps them peel back that next layer. If you can be a listener with your children, that's why it's so important that you're the taxi driver, because you will be with them in the car, and if you don't say anything, and you don't try to tell them everything, and you're not trying to pound into them everything, they'll start to speak. And over time, what's going to happen is you're, they're going to start to understand when I'm around my mom, I'm around my dad, I can talk because they listen. They listen. And I'll tell you, it'll be tested in you too because when they start to say something, if you instantly are shocked, Johnny said that, there's no way. Johnny's an idiot. Look at Johnny. He's like, he doesn't do this right, doesn't do that right, doesn't do Look at his mother, look at his father, look at his house, look at his Johnny's an idiot. You're never going to figure out what ha what's happening inside them. And they're going to know if when I said what Johnny said shocked them, I'm not going to tell them anything around that whole subject matter because it'll shock them and I'll just get this. But I, I, I try, try to let my kids know nothing you can say is going to shock me. Nothing you're going to say is going to shock me. And you're going to be able to tell, by the way, I don't get shocked. You know, I was, I was going to say this before about thinking is don't blow up at your kids and, and scream at them through your teeth. <laughs> Because, you see, that's not thinking, that's, that's emotions, and you're going to teach them that that's how mom and dad respond. Now, I'm not saying you can't raise your voice. I'm not saying you can't teach your kids, but if you're listening, let that listening thing start to, uh, let it start to form a little bit, where they realize I can share something with mom and with dad without them jumping up off the couch, screaming bloody murder, and shutting the conversation down. Amen. So there's two things that happen when you, when you will listen. Number one, it teaches your kids that they can tell you anything. Because I'm telling you something, what's, what's on your kids' hearts and minds, they will tell to their friends. And then they're going to get input from their friends. They need to be able to tell you as well. Can you say amen? And then the second thing is it provides a channel as they, as they can speak and you will listen. It provides a channel then for you to speak and for them to listen, because you're a listener. You've, you've kind of created this communication level. And I'll tell you something, I, I, I never like to rush the speaking. Sometimes it might take a day or, or a week even to get back to that subject where you're driving in the car and you're taking them somewhere and say, now I was thinking about what Johnny was talking about the other day. Now I'm gonna start to deposit in them where I feel they need to hear but it's not out of shock. It's not out of circumventing the conversation. It's not out of correction and instruction. It's in a peaceful environment. Listen, I think you're smarter. You're smarter than your kids. Just outsmart them a little bit. Amen? Amen. When you're laying down on the, on the bed with them and they start to tell you what Johnny says, don't jump up off, off the bridge and start preaching a sermon. Say to yourself, I'm going to deal with this, but now's not the time. I'm just going to listen for now. Are you guys hearing me? So, so, so what happens is when it comes time for you to begin to speak to them about something that they really need to hear your voice on, they know I can tell my mom, my dad anything, and when they talk to me, they have my best interest at heart. Amen? Amen. 
because they're listeners. We have this communication flow that's going. I want to I wanna end the, this morning by saying this. There's three things you need to tell yourself. Three things you need to tell yourself. Number one, I am not a dummy. You can't hide behind that either. I'm not a dummy. Number two, I'm not self-centered. You might have to work on that a little bit. Number two, I'm not self-centered. And number three, raising a family is the most important purpose in my life. Raising a family is the most important purpose in my life. You know, one thing about this relationship that we're talking about, you know, especially parents to children or spouse to spouse, it's not just the, it's not just the, it's not just the relationship that's going in this direction that, that matters or the fact that, that uh, they're receiving, you know. A lot, of times, a lot of times it's about who you are. It's who you are. Listen, I, I want to be kind to someone whether or not they get it or not. You know, my, my, my dad right now is lying in the hospital bed and he can't, he can't even see that I'm there, but it's not necessarily only about him. What am I? Who am I? I walk in, oh, he doesn't know I'm here, leave. No, it's not necessarily only about him. Who am I? As, as, as a parent raising a family, who are you? See, are you a worker? Are you a lover? Are you a giver? Are you selfless? Will you work on this thing? It really is about you, and I want to become more Christ-like. I want to become more uh, in line with God's nature in my own life. Amen? 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 Because that's the kind of person that will raise an awesome family. Thanks for listening to The Awakening Podcast. We hope this message has encouraged you. If you want to learn more about our church, visit us online at awakening.global. We'll see you soon.